0: Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Best Show Ever, a podcast presented by The Englert. In this episode, we'll share how at-home releases of what would have been big box office films has caused a shift in the film industry. We'll also be chatting with Cinema Pro Rebecca Fons and youth advocate for United Action for Youth, Jamie Ellis. But first, here's a word from our sponsors. Toyota of Iowa City has been owned and directly managed by the Drusicki family since 1981. What makes Toyota of Iowa City unique is their long-standing reputation for customer satisfaction in both sales and service, transparency, and supporting our community, including the Inglert Theater. Please visit their website at toyotaiowacity.com to make service appointments, review inventory, or check out current factory incentives, or find them on Highway 1 West. It's no surprise that like every other industry, movies and the cinemas that show them have been massively impacted by the pandemic. But unlike many other art forms, film has a distinct ability to be rerouted by studios from playing on the silver screen directly to your favorite streaming platform right at home. And with multi-screen cinemas closed until recently, the shift of releasing films at home has created some big questions about what will happen once cinemas reopen. So for today's art news, we're going to look at how the decisions large Hollywood film studios have been making with highly anticipated films could permanently impact cinemas and how we're able to see blockbusters in the future. In early April of this year, many films already had massive marketing campaigns ramping up for a big summer release. We're talking Christopher Nolan's Tenet, the next Bond film, No Time to Die, Disney's live-action Mulan, and so many more inevitable smash hits. So what did the studios do? Initially, most just postponed with the hope of announcing a fall date later this year. But as the pandemic ceased to wane in the United States, studios began making decisions with their films. After two postponements, Warner Brothers announced that Tenant would be delayed until August for international audiences and is now the first major release for cinemas in the U.S., out just two days ago on September 3rd. The Bond film, No Time to Die, is still set to release in November of 2020, but could see yet another postponement. In one of the more surprising moves, Disney announced in early August that the highly anticipated Mulan would bypass cinemas completely and be offered on their streaming platform, Disney+. And while it may be a smart move for Disney and will likely reach more people than it would have in theaters, it's a devastating blow for movie theaters around the country. Normally, the Hollywood studios release their films and cinemas for a 70- to 90-day exclusive theatrical window before the films head to other platforms. And many cinemas thought Disney would be the last studio to consider threatening that tradition. And Disney wasn't the first to make that move this year. In May, Universal Studios decided to take DreamWorks' Trolls World Tour and do a video on-demand release instead of delaying its cinema premiere. With families and children quarantining in their homes, the decision was incredibly rewarding. In the first three weeks, the film earned $100 million from on-demand rentals, earning what took the first Trolls film five months to do in U.S. cinemas. With the grand success of Trolls World Tour, Universal CEO Jeff Shell told The Wall Street Journal that as soon as theaters reopen... We expect to release movies on both formats. That simple statement sent shockwaves through the industry. And the reaction from cinemas? Well, it it wasn't thumbs up and smiles. Many felt the decision was a low blow to cinemas that were already suffering financially from months of shuttered doors. And I'd hoped that films like Trolls World Tour or Milan would be there when they reopened. It prompted the world's largest cinema runner, AMC, to respond by globally banning all Universal studio films, with support from other cinema groups like Marcus Theaters following suit. What followed was a near month-long back and forth of public statements from Universal and the various theater groups opposing their decision. But in August, with it becoming clear that the pandemic in the U.S. wasn't going to be improving anytime soon... Universal and AMC struck a deal to reduce the time some films will stay in theaters to just 17 days before they can be made available as an on-demand product. Now you might be thinking, sure, all of this really isn't great for cinemas, but think about the audience. Isn't it great that these films can and often are reaching more people for many creators and producers. It's incredible. More people get to be part of the worlds they've created and captured and similar to some other arts we've talked about here before, uh, these at-home showings have removed financial, physical, and mental barriers that for some make going to the cinema difficult. It's hard to deny the benefits of the films being released at home. With films like Tenet having just been released in theaters in Mulan, now on Disney+, Plus, the outcome for both will continue to inform decisions about the future of film and cinemas. Theater heads are looking to Tenet, the first blockbuster release since Megaplexes have reopened as a film that will send people back into seats and restore a sense of normalcy to the industry. But the financials for Tenant and other mega movies only work if droves of people leave their houses and buy tickets to see them in theaters. And if people don't return to the theaters, it may change what is available to watch in theaters now and long after pandemic times. Today, we've got a film theme going on, and there's no better person to kick off a film episode with than Rebecca Fons. Rebecca has a long history working in the film industry, and she currently plays the role of programming director at Film Scene here in Iowa City. All right, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure.
0: Okay, so I am. Um, I'm gonna start off being a bit of a. A fan. I'm going to fan a little bit. Okay. I, I want to walk our listeners through your career journey uh, because when I read it, I'm like, okay, um, this lady is dope. Um, so you were born and raised in Winterset. Mm-hmm. You got your degree at the University of Iowa, double majoring in film and American studies. And I also want to shout out KRUI one time. Okay. And so then you went to New York for a spell. Mm-hmm. And then from New York, you went to grad school in Chicago, and then you started working at the Chicago Film Festival, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. And you were there for about 10 10 years, Mm -hmm. about a decade. Yep. This is my favorite part. This is where it gets juicy to me. Um, You left your position at the film festival to rehabilitate the Iowa Theater, which is in Winterset. So you and your mom bought it. Um, goals, yeah. <laughs> mom goals, <laughs> and you got it, like, you got it back up and running, which is like so cool, and then about three years ago, you joined the film scene team as a programming director, mm-hmm. and now you split your time between Iowa City, Winterset, and Chicago.
1: That's correct. That's it. That's my, that's my life. You just did it. I feel like this was that's just of wonderful beautiful. life. I just, like, relived my whole my whole life with you. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy. I have toothbrushes in many places. I like, you know, sort of, I'm a nomad. I travel back and forth on I 80 all the time. It's crazy. I would have never thought that that would be my lifestyle, but here we are.
0: So, um, for people hearing your story right now and geeking out like I did, um, what would you attribute your success to?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I feel very fortunate that I, you know, I studied film at the University of Iowa, and then I went on to study, like, the business of film at grad school in Chicago, and I know so many people that have a passion for the arts or for culture, and they really want to see a career in that field, and so many people for whatever reason are derailed from that, you know, it's either like some pressure outside pressure from family or sort of a sense of like, you can't, you can't make it in those industries. Um, Or they, you know, they just suddenly are like, well, a dentist is more of a, you know, a sure thing than like film person, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so, but I, I feel very fortunate that I was always supported by my family and by my friends to, you know, pursue my love of film. And I've loved film since I was, a tiny. And then I yep. was able to get a great education at the University of Iowa and then, you know, get more education at Columbia College, Chicago, and then find a job in my field. I mean, that's just so huge. I think a lot of people get discouraged because they just, it's so the arts can be really hard to get into, but like once you get into mm-hmm. them, you know, whatever that your field may be, study or criticism or film exhibition, you know, once you find your sort of your, your people, you, you get embraced by them and you can really succeed. And so I, feel, I felt very lucky. Now, some people would be like, success is not driving back and forth between Chicago and Winterset, Iowa, and Iowa City, Iowa, but I love it. And I have found, like, great satisfaction in being part of, like, multiple organizations yeah. and multiple screens and spaces.
0: I think that sounds awesome. Like, I mean being in different scenes and different states and like, you know, getting, I, I feel like it's an opportunity to get a, to get to move around a lot and have your days all feel different. Yeah. I think that's super cool.
1: Yeah. Somebody asked me recently, like, what is your, what is your, a single day look like? And I was like, there's are just all, all that's consistent is there are always many tabs <laughs> open on my, my computer. Like, <laughs> the only thing that I can count on is that I have like eight tabs and like probably none of them are fun like none they're all like spreadsheets yeah <laughs> so this wow. is arts admin everyone thinks it's really like you know I mean it is exciting and it's again it's great I'm so happy that I'm part of what I love but like it's a lot of spreadsheets okay
0: so can you talk a bit about your decision to take over the Iowa theater and ultimately what that's meant for you and what's meant that what that's meant for the the Winterset community
1: yeah, absolutely. So the Iowa theater, um, you know, was really like where I spent my entire childhood. Like I, you know, that w- my mother was raising three kids on her own and we lived like three blocks from the theater. And it's on this, you know, beautiful, this beautiful square in Winterset. And it's, you know, got this c- classic iconic marquee. And, um, you know, I spent weekends there watching the same movie over and over again. I had My first kiss was at the Iowa theater, which was mm-hmm. like pretty That's you know critical precious. moment in yeah. in a young person's life <laughs> and um and so the and the, the and the theater is like this you know this beautiful space and it's over 100 years old and it it was never really like I, my experience with it was always like past the golden days of like cinemas like that you know it was like always sort of sticky floors and the popcorn was like pretty gnarly and <laughs> But it was, it was somewhere to go, you know, like in a small town, you know, when you're like 13 in a small town in Iowa, you're like, everything sucks. And like, my, my parents were terrible. And like, I just want to get out of this town. So like the movies were where I went for escape and where I went for, you know, sort of a a place to be entertained, but also sort of lose myself. So the Iowa was really important to me and it had fallen on, you know, pretty, it had never been rehabbed. It had never been no upkeep since I was a kid when it wasn't even that, that, you know, thriving. So 2015, May of 2015, it's my wedding weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And I'm getting married up in Wisconsin. And, you know, people I'm like, you know, hugging everyone in the, like the wedding line or whatever. And people from Winterset were there and they kept saying to me, like, did you hear the movie theater closed they just closed the doors they put up a sign it's closing it's going to get turned into like a a bank or something so they were like you should buy it and i was kind of like well that's that's a really cool idea but like i just got married and i have to like figure out <laughs> you know i have to like do a toast None or whatever <laughs> Um, but then yeah, other things. Gotta go on a honeymoon. I gotta get like, you know, I gotta make sure this dress doesn't get too messy and all that. So um so but then but then my mom came up to me like during the wedding and she was like, Rebecca, did you hear and my mother is amazing. Marianne Fonz is her name. She was like, Did you hear the theater closed? And I was like, I did hear that. And she was like, We should buy it together and Ugh. we should make it beautiful. And I'll only do it if you'll do it. I won't do it by myself. And you know, mm. I'd been at the Chicago Film Festival for like nearly 10 years. So I was sort of, you know, thinking about what my next step would be. Mm-hmm. And w- after my wedding and after my honeymoon, I went to Winterset and took a look at the theater. And, you know, they there was nothing there. They had like even taken the candy when they closed. It was so depressing. But we looked at it with a contractor and he was like, the bones of the building are really good. And, the you know, it's like it needs a little bit of work on the floor, but like we can kind of gut this and make it spectacular. And so my mom and I put our heads together and, and we, you know, we were like, can we make an offer on this building? And we did. And it was criminally low. I mean, it was like the, mm. there was nothing that, to save. So, but we knew we had to raise like over a million dollars to, to make it beautiful. So we, wow. we spent the next two years, um, rehabbing it, you know, picking, pick, you know, choosing vendors. And I learned like how to, Project film. It was like crazy. Just like the learning curve was out of out of sight, and um and raising money. We raised you know over a million dollars in two years, and we reopened the Iowa in May of 2017, two years to the day that it closed. It's one of the biggest achievements of my like personal and professional career, but for the community, I mean, it's it's huge. Winterset is still a small town in rural Iowa. That's Mm -hmm. you know. 35 minutes away from Des Moines and from the closest movie theater. Yeah. It's, you know, there's families, there's retirees, there's, you know, a community there that really has responded so amazingly to the theater, but by their donations or by their support, but also just by their patronage. I think for the community, you know, as a kid, I I wanted a movie theater in my hometown and like, you know, there's a movie theater there. There's something for people to do and, uh, and to escape and be entertained. So... It's been a joy of my life. And the marquee is so pretty. And you could see it when you drive into town. It like lights up the whole square. It's just the best.
0: That is just positively badass. That is grade one <laughs> badassery. That is so cool. Also, your description of the theater is making me very emo. Because that, I mean, that's, you know, I've had a long week. That would just be like the most... Restful experience. If I could just go to that theater, that beautiful marquee, go and get a glass of wine, and and watch a Fellini. Come on, oh my I I do want to talk a little bit about film scene. Um, you've been at film scene for about three years, over three years.
1: Yep. Okay, Uh, about three years. Three years this fall.
0: Okay. Um and some of the goals I you know I stalked you on Little Village as is my <laughs> um fave thing to do these days, um and you mentioned that some of your goals in working at Film Scene are to um develop more educational opportunities for the community, um, mm-hmm. introduce more diverse work to the screen and um you know to make cinema more accessible to everyone mm-hmm. in Iowa
1: City. Um, have you been able to make headway on some of these goals? You know, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, film scene is, first of all, I just have to like recognize that like film scene, the existence of film scene is incredible. Like it is a flagship, nationally recognized art house cinema, state of the art projection Mm -hmm. in Iowa city. And like that did not exist when I went to the university of Iowa. And it's like, you know, you got to drive like six hours in any direction to get anything similar, Um, and that is saying something it's, it's really, really, so I'm just like, you know, every day, like staggered that I'm, I'm part of that team. They're also incredible and everyone is doing an amazing (laughs) job and presenting really, really like diverse stuff and really like, um, engaging programming, but there's always room for growth. And of course, film scene literally grew in 2019 when our second location opened, which is at the Chauncey building, um, on college and Gilbert. So film scene has always been in the ped mall, um, right next, we're right behind velvet coat right next of brothers Mm -hmm. and it started as a single screen and then grew to two screens at that location. And then last year we added the second location that has three screens in it. So our capacity grew, like we grew, we added so many staff members. Um, and so I kind of took the programming, um, I, I, my programming goals were kind of built on knowing that that growth was coming because when I, I was interviewed and like, I got a tour of the construction site and there were like, construction men like with like measuring tape like it was not had not been like the concrete had not been poured but like the chauncey was coming so i was like how can we kind of grow ahead of the space that we have so that when we do have this new space we can just sort of immediately fill all of our screens so um so film scene already had a really great um arts education program a summer camp for animation uh for like third through eighth graders Mm -hmm. and i was the education director at the chicago international film festival so that was really easy to grow that program so we added um, more animation camps including uh camps for adults like weekend camps for adults and then one one day camps for kids like during um professional development days we also added a camp during spring break that was just for young girls and um non-binary youth um and then we added a high school film club called scenesters it's high school and i say they're Nerds, because I am like a super nerd and they're all like incredible <laughs> and they love film. And so there's like a certain like nerd club with it. So there's eight in this year's class. They present films, they program three films, they choose the films, and then they present them and like do a QA afterwards. Um, and we also started a program. Uh, of adult like um education uh film film studies it's called film scene 101 so we've done uh, four week courses on like documentary composers we have another one coming up virtually that's about film on film um and then finally we added a program in the schools so i go to west high liberty and um city high and work with particular classes on we watch films and kind of discuss them in lines with the uh (sighs) curriculum that they're learning so it's like we really went like we we Basically serve, you know, third through you know lifelong learner, third grade through lifelong learner um, yeah. uh, for in our education. So that was great, um, and I'm super proud of all those programs. Uh, and then, in, in terms of diversity in the programming, there were so many things that we've added. So again, like film scene is doing everything so well, um, and we just uh, you know when I came on board, we we sort of endeavored just to to make it even better. So. We started a year-round partnership with Iowa City Pride. So we show uh, LGBTQ film every month, um, either from like a queer filmmaker or a queer story. A lot of times we do talkbacks afterwards um, or some sort of Mm -hmm. presentation. We did um, a screening of the documentary about Stonewall um, uh, and the choir of Eastern Iowa sang some songs beforehand. Um, And then we did something called Women's March um, in 2018 and 2019. Mm -hmm. And then it evolved into a program called real representation and women's March. We, we just stopped showing any films directed by men for the entire month of March for in 2018 and 2019. So this was like, I got hired Mm -hmm. right when, you know, Harvey Weinstein news hit and me too. And time's up were sort of born. So we wanted to respond in a positive way. And we We're like, we could show a bunch of films made by women. And then we were like, or we could show an entire month made by women, like women only. Mm -hmm. So we did that for two years. And then when we grew and we did so much stuff, we did like a live score of silent films uh, with the band Awful Purdy's, the local band. We, you know, did um, special presentations with... Uh, different emerging filmmakers and we did like talkbacks after each of them. We had the Washington post film critic and Hornaday come in and talk about being a film, a female film critic. So we did, we did like a lot. And then once we grew to the Chauncey, we were like, ah, we can't really do that across five screens, unfortunately. So now it's called real representation and we just present, and we also expanded it to be um, non-binary filmmakers. So we've made it even more inclusive in that way. Um, and it's mm-hmm. sort of a year round program that we do here and there. Um, so, and, and then just thinking always about like the new releases that we show the independent film world and the art house film world can be very male and it can be very uh white and can be very mm-hmm. cis and and we were just like you know we wanted to we have five screens we can show so many films let us always make sure that we are having representation on our, our screens you know there's no excuse to lean into that like cliche of the art house of like oh it's just like old white people you know it's like Mm -hmm. no it doesn't have to be it has to it's whatever you want to define it and so we really try to show emerging filmmakers and and um present films that we think our community would respond to but also that are worth seeing and maybe very small and maybe not have anybody famous in them but we curate them because we know they're special um and i'm very proud that we've presented so many films um by directors of color um our our pride program has really embraced so many emerging queer filmmakers um and and then in 2019 one of my biggest like achievements and i think the team feels this way is we honored the director charles burnett who is not a household name but he is a pioneering um black filmmaker and we brought him in uh, and presented him with our cinema savant award and he was the first filmmaker of color to receive it and he directed killer of sheep um and sleep with anger which you can find on the criterion collection and other platforms and he's just he's an incredible artist and an incredible filmmaker and to have him like in the flesh i just sort of was like couldn't speak for like four days it was pretty incredible so Mm. so we we have made sure to provide a platform that is um diverse and is not just inclusive but is hopefully infused with um an equity lens and it's not perfect and we're you know it's always it's you got to work on it all the time so it's hopefully something that we'll continue to do
0: okay listeners uh, um if you're looking for ways to support local cinema here in iowa city uh, we would both like to encourage you to check out Film Scene's virtual screening room. Uh, 50% of the proceeds of whichever movie you rent will go directly to Film Scene. Um, and then they, Film Scene's also doing curbside concessions each Friday, which is super cool. Um, Rebecca's on a podcast. So yeah. go check out their podcast after you listen to this one. They might have activities for you. And if if you're able to um, donate or become a member of film scene, that's always a great help, too. Um, Rebecca, it has been such a, a pleasure talking with you, your career goals, your, your everything.
1: Oh, thank Got you. It's it such a pleasure talking <laughs> to you. I, I feel like super honored to be on this podcast. It's like you know, to be, I, I don't know. It was just a, such a, such a blast. And thank you for your energy and like for connecting the community through this podcast, because I think it was really needed. And, um, I've loved all to listen to all the guests and yeah. And thank you everybody. We will be back in the movies. We will be back at England. We will be back together, but in the meantime, you know, keep the faith.
0: Coming up next, we'll hear all about Jamie Ellis's best show ever and her work with United Action for youth. But first, Here's a word from our sponsors. This episode is supported in part by the Moen Group. Iowa City is a great place to live, combining a community rich with culture and a strong commitment to the arts with a relaxed Midwestern atmosphere. Moen Group has a variety of living choices in and around Iowa City, so you're always a short walk away from campus or downtown. To learn more, go to moengroup.com. I'm currently virtually sitting across from Jamie Ellis, who is a youth advocate at United Action for Youth, otherwise known as UAY, which is an Iowa City-based nonprofit org that provides prevention and intervention services for young people in the Johnson County area. Jamie, thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited to talk. Yeah, me too. Okay, so first question can you just talk a little bit about what your role is at United Action for Youth and what your current day-to-day is looking like?
2: Okay. So um, at UAY, um, you know, like I, I'm a youth advocate, so I mostly just like help peeps like try to figure out what to do after school and hope that they don't get into trouble. So um, we mm-hmm. do a lot of just like after-school programming, like art clubs, and um, we have a pride group for LGBT um, teens and then have a feminist group for activist teens. Um, yeah. So just mostly stuff like that. We do like hangout periods and stuff. Obviously right now, um, it's a little bit weird cause everything's online. So mm-hmm. like, we're just trying to get people to come hang out on screen with us, I guess, which yeah. is a little bit weird, a little bit hard, but it's like mostly working.
0: Yeah. It stinks. Like looking at, you know, all the resources that you have at UAY, like I was just looking at like specifically like the art program. Which like, mm-hmm. This looks so sick. Like can I yeah. come? Uh, but there's like a recording studio, like s- paintings, screen printing. Did I see screen mm-hmm. printing? Like yeah. so many different resources there. So it, it it stinks that um
2: you know there's not gonna be access to that for a while. Yeah, um, we like really can do it all. It's kind of amazing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you lead several other groups, kind of how you mentioned, um, LGBTQIA youth support group, FEM group, which is centered around social justice and activism, and then youth action team, which organizes, uh, community volunteering opportunities. Um, and you've been doing this for how many years?
2: Um, so I've been with UAY, um, for like eight years, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I'm wondering what
0: has leading these groups been like given all the changes changes we've been seeing in the political climate, like the social justice movement right now? Like Mm -hmm. how are you, how do you talk to these young people about what's going on in the world right now? What's that like?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, um, the situation, like the situation is a little bit different, but the way that we like attack things is the same. So, um, you know, being a support for people, like letting them come like and talk about how they're feeling and what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, all the climate change stuff that was going on like this past year, um, with, uh, Greta coming to town and then, um, a lot, all the schools were doing marches and stuff. Yeah. So we were supporting people through that. Um, when, uh, the Black Lives Matter stuff, um, was happening in town, um, we tried to just be a resource for people to come and talk about what's happening. And we painted our windows. It's like a way that we supported the community through our art. Yeah. What do you,
0: how have you been seeing, I mean, with, with kids not being able to come to the youth center, not going to school, you know, not being able to do a lot of things in person, connecting with other people in person. What, what kind of effects do you see that having on these kids?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, what kind of effect is that having on you or like what kind of effect is that having on all of us really? Um True. everyone's just kind of like sad and frustrated. Yeah. You know, being a teen is already really hard and then um when you add in there, you know, sort of like a quarantine situation, you're just like losing your mind probably. So it's kind of one of those situations where it's like hopefully providing the groups and the resources that we have is kind of keeping some people Like, on track, I guess.
0: Can you briefly explain what unconditional positive regard is and how how that's used in UAY?
2: Yeah, it's kind of, like, um, the same thing um, that I was talking about earlier about just meeting people where they are. And, like, um, you know, it's because you were talking about, um, you know, kids not being told, like, being told what they're doing wrong but not being told what they're doing right and I think that's just like sort of like an adult slum thing that we kind of get into, where it's like, mm. "Oh, I need to change these things." But um, I think one of the biggest things about UPR is just like, "Hey, I see you. Um, I see where you're at, and um, here are some ways that I can help you if you would like to have help um, moving forward, or um, getting a new perspective, or um, you know, just." getting resources or something like that. So it's just like meeting people where they are and helping them succeed in whatever ways that they want to succeed.
0: Right on. Are there specific things that you have learned from the kids that you work with? Um, you know, when they pop, when they follow their unconditional positive regard, you know, what, 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 what have you seen? What have you
1: learned from
2: um, we joke about that sometimes about how, like, that's like the biggest, um, like social worker win sometimes is like when you give someone a resource or like teach, like teach them something and then they teach someone else. Mm-hmm. And so, it's, like, um, we have this whole, uh, like discord server where we just like chat about D and D and like, uh, hang out and <laughs> just <Fun>. like, <laughs> yeah, just like share memes and stuff. But it's like when a new person comes in, um, you know, one of our sort of like veteran teens will be like, hey, this is a safe place. Like, let me tell you about UPR. And it's always like heart melting and beautiful. Just really Mm. great.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's like the multiplying effect, you know, you you change one person and then they go out and change five people and they go.
2: Yeah, we're hoping it's like a real pay it forward kind of situation where it's like, this is how I live my life. And like, hopefully you can find some, something good in that or something. Yeah. I love that.
0: Okay. Well now it's time dun, 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 for the best show ever. Um, <laughs> and your best show ever involves film scene. And I want to first start off. Will you sort of explain your relationship or history with film scene?
2: Uh, okay. So obviously they popped into town a few years ago and, um, I was just like, whoa! I don't know if I'm cool enough to go there. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm like film cool enough or whatever. Um, but I, they were showing this movie called. Uh, it was called like Brew Witches, or no, it was called Witches Brew, and it was like for this Grindhouse series that they were starting, and it was about um, some witches who like kill people, and I was like, okay, I can't miss this movie. <laughs> It asked me what it is. And so um, that was the first time I went, and I just completely fell in love. Like, everyone was, like, super cool and, like, really inviting. And um, it was all just kind of, like, downhill from there. Like, became a member, like, I think the next year. And um, just started going to all the things that I could go to, I guess.
0: Yeah. The film film scene community.
2: Yeah. Definitely a dope one to know. Um,
0: So what is... Your best show ever.
2: I want to talk about a film Scream, which is my favorite film scene event that happens every year. Um, it's a 12-hour horror movie marathon that happens around Halloween. And it is epic and, yeah, just really cool. It's like the weirdest family that you could ever hope for.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. How, mm-hmm. how do you prepare for this? Okay,
2: um, So... You definitely got to make sure you're gonna sleep the night before, sure. Yep, <laughs> uh, you got to make sure, um, uh, you have uh, like a snack and food plan, okay. And then, um, like with the new seating arrangement, or whatever, like you get to choose your seat before you go, so like that's your plan, like this mm-hmm. is where I'm gonna sit all night, kind of thing. Yep, um, you're gonna want to bring a blanket, maybe a pillow. Mm. Um, get cozy comfort yes yeah like maybe uh you're gonna have some have some water because like most people drink all night well until um 6 a.m and then uh you gotta you gotta drink some water (laughs) and then uh uh, coffee and stuff too so they always do like coffee like all night which is like amazing and they always have snacks and stuff like special guests and like they'll have like they always have two secret screenings which they you don't even know Mm -hmm. what they are watching them and it's always like um something that hasn't come out yet or like yeah it's just like kind of underground and i'm really into that so it's just like it's pretty awesome
0: dude yes um so this it used to be in the in the ped mall location right so would that be in the one in the theater that's got like the couches is it in the brick room okay
2: yeah. Intimate like the either way. My jam. Like, uh, Ooh, yeah. like I would just like go, I would get in line early so
0: and there's just a line.
2: Like wait. Yeah. So at the, at the ped mall location, there's a line because people want to get like the good seats.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: But now that you choose your own seat, there's not so much of the line. It's more of like a chill hang. Sure. But before that, it was like, I got to get that seat, man. And what's mm-hmm.
0: like the atmosphere in the room like as it's, you know, going on? Are people interacting with one another? Like is yeah. there that?
2: Um it's like okay, so a lot of the people that go to this are also the people that go to the grindhouse series, which is mm-hmm. like the Wednesday night um be real kind of movies that they show. Yeah. And Uh, really cool. So, like, um, if you go to that, then you already know, like, a good handful or two of people that are there. Mm -hmm. So, um, with, like, the ped mall, it was, like, smaller, obviously. You could only have, like, 40 people. Yeah. Um, But at the new ones, they can have way more. So, um, there's, like there's, like, a kind of feeling of, like, community, and you're, like, oh, there's new people here, or whatever. And so it's, like, by the end of the night, uh, everyone is, like, in the same place, though. Like, everyone's been through all these movie experiences. Mm. Everyone's been drinking, and then, like, everyone has, like, (laughs) sleep deprivation. And so you're just, like, we're all in this together. Like, we're all part of it, and it's, like, really good. It's It's a really good vibe, for sure. Like, you're just, like... Nothing, nothing can go wrong. This is, this is who we are now. That's so, that's so fun. I mean, I don't want to say like going, it's like kind
0: of like you're like going to battle and like everyone has to gear up and get ready and has like different (laughs) strategies and like everyone is probably like sharing strategies and like, you know, feeling the same things at the same time and like experiencing them together and just like, yeah, I mean, after 12 hours of horror movies, I feel like you're just occupying a different universe.
2: It's true. And, like, they always do a good job of, like, kind of mixing it up. Like, there's, like, some campy stuff in there. There's actually scary stuff in there. Um, There's, like, like, what what did I just watch kind of situations. And so, like, (laughs) after every movie, like, everyone kind of convenes in the lobby. And they're just like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) Like, what was that movie? Or, like, um a couple years ago they ended with uh monster squad, which is like this 1980s um, movie about these preteens who um, make friends with some monsters that are in town. <laughs> 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 they have to figure out how to beat Dracula. And uh, it's a, uh, it's pretty good. It was like one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. So they showed that movie and then at, it was just like the end of the night. everyone's like, Oh, that was like, pretty good feeling to like end the night on or whatever it was yeah. like it was really cute it was really good so it's just like that kind of thing where they like mix it up really well
0: absolutely and I feel like I don't always have to ask this question but like how do you feel the next day or week because like (laughs) i will watch the exorcism one time and i'm like sleeping with the lights on for a month so (laughs) i 12 hours of horror i feel like is it a cleanse is it spiritual or like how do you feel after
2: that's a really good way to put it because i feel like okay so it's like so much and maybe if it was like you watched one of those movies and now you have like the whole night to think about it or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like with them happening like back to back, it's kind of like, Whoa, it's like a whole string of things. Mm -hmm. And then like for the next couple of days, it's mostly like, Whoa, okay. I did see that. movie. (laughs) (laughs) Remember this happening, but like, like at, like at 8am, you're just like, okay, I'm going to bed. (laughs) Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go home and go to bed now. Yeah. Um, it takes a I, t- I feel like it takes a couple days to just be like oh yeah we did experience that like I feel like you're seriously
0: like the concept of just watching a bunch of things that and they're not all like terrifying but watching a, yeah. being scared over and over again yeah and then just like re-entering the world and I always feel like when I go to a movie theater or particularly film scene and that like small intimate kind of like I feel like I'm in New York sort of like kind of place. I always yeah. feel like I'm in another world when I'm there. And then yeah. I just walk out of a movie and I just see like things differently.
2: Yeah. Well, it'd be like such a trip too. Cause like, um, especially at the, at the Chauncey, like you'll come out of the theater and you're like, oh yeah. Like we're still in, in town and we're still like, there's still people out. Like they'll just be like people, like, you know, bar goers and stuff like walking by the windows yep. and it's just you have no idea what we just experienced or like they're designed on another planet. All right.
0: Well, I mean,
2: I'm sold next time that uh film scream
0: is happening. You can plan on seeing me there. Um, we can share some, some popcorn and, yeah, and, dis- so and discuss our terror. <laughs> I'll be <Yeah>. crying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, th- thank you so much for talking with us again today, Jamie. And also yeah. just like, thanks for what you do for our community, um, in our youth, it's super important. Um, everyone should go check out, um, United action for youth on social media. It's the 50th anniversary, which is so cool. And the campaign has been really cool too. Like seeing pictures from, you know, like the seventies and then seeing pictures from today and how, you know, they're still activating kids and a similar way and bringing community mm-hmm. together so that's super cool. I encourage everyone to go check that out. Donate if you can. Um Jamie, thank you.
2: Thank you. Einstein.
0: <laughs> Our song of the week is aerial oceans by the pines made up of david Hugfelt and brothers benson and alex ramsey the pines brought haunting ambient folk vibes on their 2015 album above the prairie leaving us yearning for something or maybe someone to hold on to their music can be found on all streaming platforms or purchased on CompassRecords.com. here it is aerial oceans by the pines 10,000 Villages is a maker-to-market movement, creating opportunities for artists in developing countries for over 70 years. Selling handcrafted items from around the world, every piece is handmade and fairly traded. Visit 10,000 Villages on the Ped Mall in downtown Iowa City or online at 10,000villages.com. Support for this podcast comes from Friends of the Inglert. To learn more, visit engler.org friends. Ongoing support provided by the National Endowment for the Arts and the Iowa Arts Council, a division of the Iowa Department of Cultural Affairs, and by the United States Regional Arts Resilience Fund. Phase One is an initiative of Arts Midwest and its peer, United States Regional Arts Organizations, made possible by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation.